I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Oops! The Podcast. We are here, as we always are, at our usual time. I'm Julio <laughs> Galarati. <laughs> joined by, as always, the wonderful Francis Ellis. How are you doing, Francis? I'm well. Great, great clunky opening. We're so good Thanks, at those. Man. I know. I mean, you're much better, than, better at it than I am, I think. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. Uh, very, very funny comedian. And now, journalist, apparently. We'll get to that oh, yeah. uh, as well. And also, new father... Gary Veter, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks. How guys. you doing, man? Good to see you. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, Gary, wait, thanks for joining us. It's it's you good see to see you, Gary. <laughs> and you look at your head is almost like the third hot air balloon of that wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. And it goes right there. Let me get four. It's adorable. I'll, I'll just float away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the baby's room. It's all we got. We got two bedrooms. You know, I only make. Uh, Four hundred thousand dollars a year, so you can only get a two-bedroom house. No, um, we're we're poor. Four hundred grand. I was gonna yeah, say it's. I, I wish. It's delicious. Yeah. I wish. I'm on, I'm on unemployment. Things aren't uh-huh. going well. It happens. Yeah. It happens yeah. to, to people. I've heard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, rough. Gary, Gary, how old is your new child? Two weeks. Literally two weeks today. Oh my it's, God. I know it's a lot of work. Do you have kids? No, I, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, that's such a shitty joke. I don't like that I did that. Um, did I, uh, I, I don't have well. kids. I'm, I'm, um, I'm a couple years away from being able to even probably entertain that conversation. That's how I feel. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I mean, uh, my wife and I were trying for like a couple of years. And when we were trying, I was definitely not ready. And I'm not, I'm not even like saying I'm like that ready now, but I'm much more prepared than I was two yeah. years ago. So yeah, you know, a few years, it changes of just like your overall just being like, all right, I could do this. But I mean, it is a lot of work. I mean, like uh, I was telling Julio earlier, like it's, he doesn't do anything. It's just like the responsibility and like women are so much more comfortable doing all that, like holding him, like I'm holding him like in the beginning and it's like his neck is just like, you know, just swinging around. It's like, you know, I, I feel like, I feel terrible, but it's like, that's, that's like, I don't know any better. And uh-huh. I'm just like, you know, and she's just like, no, you got to like pick up, like, you know, even though you, I know I'm supposed to support the head, but it's like, I wasn't supporting it enough. But now it's like, now, now I got the hang of it. First video I have, he's like, his like neck is like, just like swinging around. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll edit it out so he doesn't see it when he gets older. But uh, nice. Okay, Julie, yeah. we have a COVID, a COVID baby. Very exciting. Mm. Um, yeah. And Francis, I don't know if you had something else further to say about this, but speaking of children, I think this is a good segue into our next topic, potentially, yeah. which I woke up this morning and it was me too, part two, all over again in the midst of all this shit with comedians, with some famous comedians. Um, yeah, so so Chris D'Elia. Is there someone else now? Jeff Ross is getting shit too about something. No. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't, I it might one. be a more isolated thing. I, it's something about like uh, somebody from the Boston Comedy Club, which was like before I was even doing comedy. Gary, were you doing comedy when that was around? No, it was um, Comedy Village by time, right? I think this is in New York for anybody listening. Changed, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um. So whatever. So Francis, I know you had some uh, some thoughts about this. So well, yeah. So the the big story of the day today is wednesday uh and and i know we're releasing this episode on thursday but right now chris delia is like the number one trending topic on on twitter and it is just receipt after receipt after receipt of facebook messenger exchanges dm exchanges emails i mean it's it's crazy how long some of these people have been kind of sitting on this. And, and one woman, one young woman broke the story open last night, basically saying that he had 
gone back and forth with her, maybe tried to meet up with her, and she says she refused because she had a boyfriend at the time or something, but he's, it, it, it opened the floodgates to a what looks like a huge amount of correspondence where he's trying to, quote, groom underage women to meet up with him. And uh, I mean, it's a total shit show. Um, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a different um, thing than a Me Too, but it is a Me Too because I, I don't it's know. A power it's, struggle in a way. Like I, I guess they're looking at it as like he's an older guy and he has the power and the celebrity to, you know, to change her mind and make her do things. So like that's, yeah. like that's why it gets thrown in that category. I guess that's exactly yeah. right. And, but, the, but the issue that is, what makes it, when I say different, one, one thing that's interesting is that a, a lot of these women didn't, or some of them didn't even meet him. Um, right. They never crossed paths and it was just a, a, an exchange, you know? And I think the problem is that um, some of these exchanges, the women had made it clear that they were like 17 years old or younger than the age of consent and then some people are pointing out that in the states where that happened the age of consent is actually 17 and right you know it leads to this th th thing i wanted to talk to you guys about which is what determines the age of consent in certain states why is it 16 in some places 17 in others and 18 doesn't that seem like that should be a federal law that there should be some universal <laughs> right. cutoff? Like what? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Gary Veter? Oh boy. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> As I'm in my uh, baby's room. Uh, <laughs> just a quick new dad question. Um, <laughs> But uh, man, uh, thoughts on it? No, I mean I agree. I think it's it's got to be a federal law because now you're, things just get dicey with like state lines of just like I mean everything should be a federal law, whatever, you know, regardless of what it is. But yeah, if you're talking about just the age of actual consent, I mean you're, you're dealing with gray areas where you're like, oh, like now I'm in Florida and it's like whatever seven. I don't know what it is, seventeen. Um, I like watch. I'm like, I'm just great with the numbers. I know every state. <laughs> I was gonna say, listen, if you want to go to Alabama, it's 16. Um, Girls but, grow uh, up a lot faster there. That's why you can yeah, cross the yeah. state line. You'll find an yeah, old, sure. an old soul. Yeah, but you know, it's like it, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be so. You know, I don't think it's confusing, but I think it. it you know, it, there becomes a confusing way of going about it. How now we're having a conversation where maybe you know it's one age in Florida and then it's a different age in you know in California so uh it, it shouldn't be the case you know a guy shouldn't be you know from California and go to Florida to have sex with a girl who's one year younger and he's you know whatever you know 35 um so it's uh you know it definitely changes things but um but yeah it should be I think uh you know definitely across the board like you said the same age why mm. what, what makes it what makes it any different if you're you know just by a state line yeah. Totally. Gee, what do you think? I mean, I, it's yeah. Well, this this brings up an interesting point just in, as far as like when it comes to this kind of shit, there's sort of like a de facto right or wrong situation. Mm -hmm. So like obviously the younger the person is, it's much 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 worse. But if if the statute of limitations or whatever, not statute of limitations, like the 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 age of consent or whatever is 16, that's you're still a creep. Even yeah. if it's legal, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. But then 17, I've seen people be like, ah, like Mark San, the whole Mark Sanchez thing, that never really worked against him. He was a quarterback who left the nightclub with a 17-year-old girl, and the age of consent in New York or New Jersey, or I guess in New Jersey where he did it was 17 or something. And I remember people not holding that against him. Um, but it's interesting how, you know, the repercussions are very different based on such a small difference in – ages and and laws and shit you know what i mean yeah do you, do you guys remember courtney stodden do you know who that is oh um it sounds oh yeah she dated an older guy right she yeah so she was just kind of like this this <laughs> like young, much older guy yeah young instagram kind of model who um married one right. of the an actor who was in the green mile he was the really bad uh like cop or, or agent who, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but he was like the most yeah. evil guy in there. 
and um, she married that guy. And it was very, everyone made a big deal of it because right, she right. was like 16 or 17. And yet somehow it was allowed because they had gotten the permission of her parents. Wow. And so I, I don't understand exactly, you know, what, yeah, like, and, and the guy she was married to was like 45 or 50. And they got, of course, they got divorced a couple years later. But, you know, like, what, why didn't we go crazy about that story and say he was, a, I'm not defending Chris D'Elia. I just think it's, it's kind of a strange thing. Like, I think there should be a universal age in this country, right? Where you say, like, if you hook up with somebody below that age, it's illegal. And I also think I'd like to understand why that age is chosen. Like, what, what happens when you turn 18 where all of a sudden you're capable of making good sexual decisions? Right. And even right. then, dude, you see, if, if I see some, like, 40-something-year-old actor with a freshman at NYU, I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, it's pathetic, but it's not necessarily right. illegal. My Absolutely. theory was that we should give these kids like a driver's ed test. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, some sort of 50 question multiple choice test that would show that they are capable of making good decisions about sex. Right? <laughs> like if you want if you want if you want like a class A sex license, you need to prove that your understanding of like that would allow you to hook up with a guy who's 10 years older, you know, you, you special licenses. I don't know. I'm, I'm kidding when I say this, but when I was 18, 20, 22, I, I didn't know how, what I was doing sexually. Like I hadn't figured it out enough to know, like hooking up with a 45 year old woman was probably not a good idea. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I was probably like 26 or 27 where I started like, chilling out and making you know and 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 sleeping with people that were actually correct for me yeah but i think I, the this, age this, go i was gonna say the age gap it, that's really what it also comes down to it's like you can't have a huge the, the bigger the age gap the bigger the problems are going to be so it's like if you could i mean if you have a uh you know a 19 year old having sex with a 17 year old that could be considered wrong i mean pretty much or whatever yeah. 20 year old uh you know right. uh, 17 year old but that's a better age gap than you know, but, but then it could be legal, you know, 30 to a 17 in a different state. Um, so right. I guess that, you know, it varies, but, uh, but the bigger the age gap, the bigger the problem. So I think if you, it should be, that should be part of the law where maybe there's a minimal age gap depending on, uh, you know, what, what, what they're going with. I think that is part of the law in some places. Really? Yeah. So I think that like in some places, if you're within a couple of years of the person, it is not illegal. Like if 17 is illegal, it's not if you're 19. Oh, but, but again, in some places, I think it is it's a state, right? In some places it is. So it's like confusing <laughs> as we've proven here, which basically means that if you were a, a dumb high schooler and you got held back a year and now you're a 19 year old senior dating a junior, you could be committing statutory rape, even though she's your girlfriend that you took to prom and you guys, you know, right. Doing everything right. Like to me, that's weird. Much well, it's 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 much better than I guess Chris D'Elia trying to solicit you know seventeen year olds. Yeah, well, that so the what I know about Chris D'Elia is in that that the girl that he like they had the text screenshots or like the DMs from Twitter. It was she was sixteen. Now yeah. and so my issue with it isn't like you know I don't know you know, like nobody knows actual all the details other than that, which seems like that was wrong. But um, outside of all the other people, are there other texts that came up or other uh, DMs? Because that's the only one that I saw. And I saw a few people like then jumping on and being like, oh, he did this too. But I didn't see any other actual factual proof. Yeah, that, I'll, you know, I'll pull I'm anybody, up. But I'm just curious. I'll There's pull up some of the other ones. Yeah. Hold yeah. On. Oh, okay. They've been like, because I know, I know he was trying, yeah, I know he was like trying to get nudes and it's just like, he's like, you know, going out of his way to DM. And it's like, you know, sometimes I get, you know, messages from young fans, like, you know, I'm just, I'm like, thanks, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it just, yeah. it just, that's it. It's like, you, you gotta be, just stay away from any, anybody who's, you know, a kid. Um, that's <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah. Yeah. A great rule. Yeah. Just, that's not good. There, there's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> How old dude. is he? He's like, he's gotta be 40s now. 40, right? He's 40. I think he's actually 40. Um, 
But yeah, but yeah like I mean, 32 or something when, at least in that uh, DM exchange with that girl that went to Arizona State. Yeah. Or just graduated. Damn. So, here are, there's so many. There's this one girl, Tara Faye, who talks about she met him in a hotel bar on Halloween and he got mad. I wouldn't ditch my friends for him. Went to LA and texted him and he told me I was a bitch because I wouldn't go upstairs and sleep with him. I don't know how old she's, sh she's showing those texts. She's, I think she's, yeah. And she's 18 uh, when this happened, but then there are, there are a bunch that are like more, uh, 16, 19, you know, 17. I mean, it's all different ages of late yeah. teenagerism. Um, but look, I think I'm it's not, a slippery slope, dude. Like if, if, if he's saying you're a bitch for not coming to my room and you're of age, that just makes him a dick. That doesn't make him a criminal. You know? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. But then there are also ones where there's one here where he goes, this is so weird. He's talking to this girl in Colorado. Um, and they, he's saying, you know, how long are you here for? She says, I'm leaving tomorrow. Oh, no, she says, oh, I'm sad I couldn't see your show. Oh, well, how old are you anyways? He goes, 30. And she goes, hmm, a little too old for me. Let me know the next time you're here. But, like, he asked her how old she was, and she said 17. And he goes, too young. And then, like, the conversation ended. But then he picked it back up again not long after that and and tried to keep it going. I, <sighs> Gary... You're you're Some more way. successful <laughs> as as a comedian than we are. I as mean, a rapist. <laughs> let me let me let me ask you this, right? So this so this is my thought. Yeah. If you're somebody who is in the public eye and your goal and dream and everything on your vision board is about becoming a comedian who sells out theaters and who does late nights shows and you know, gets Netflix specials and achieves a huge following, massive fan base, grows their podcast, all that stuff. At some point, don't you become aware that these sorts of conversations with fans, uh, especially if they're underage, are opening yourself up to massive problems for, that, that would go against your goals for your career? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, with his, with, I mean, I'm not, obviously none of us are Chris D'Elia level, but he's, his rise to fame, you know, he, he's been famous for, I feel like at least, you know, over, over five years. Mm -hmm. So just knowing how well his, you know, career is going, it's like, you have to take into consideration everything you do is eventually going to be under a microscope. At least it's going that direction. So just do everything, you know, I mean, you should be living your life the right way in general, but, uh, but yeah, especially the way that, you know, when you're interacting with people to have like, you know, proper manners and do, do normal things, like don't, don't do anything that, uh, you know, could, uh, you know, jeopardize your career. Cause especially we work so hard to have a career. Why, you know, I, I would, you know, I know I would never want to jeopardize it over something that's, you know, you know, you're just not really thinking ahead right. and, and doing something stupid. Which is why, like, I, I don't, you know, I don't drink, I smoke pop, but I don't, I don't really drink that much. It was mm -hmm. like, you know, when you involve alcohol, a lot of, you know, you make a lot of bad decisions. And that can't help stuff, yourself. You know, yeah. yeah. I just well, try not to make bad decisions. But Olia is a renowned uh, teetotaler. I mean, he doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, never has, never really? will, is sober as a judge. And um, I'll be honest with you, that feels weird to me. Yeah, like, that's weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 when you match those things up, part of me thinks the fact that I drink and smoke makes me a little more normal. I don't know. Right, right. But uh, totally I don't know. Do you guys think uh, he'll come back from this? We'll see. Like, it's going to be, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's going to have to be a thing where we'll see over the next few days what ends up happening because it sounds like it could go either way. What do you think, Gary? Um, I think it's, I mean, it's still too early to say, and also people have a short term memory and especially with everything that's going on, who knows where will happen, you know, once, you know, the virus is over. I mean, what's he really working on right now? Anyway, it's not like he's on a, he's not on a show. Right. 
Um, he was on a show, by the way, where he did play a pedophile. Did you see, yeah. guys see you? I've you. been hearing that. Yeah. 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 So there, people were like, "How can Netflix do this?" It's like I don't know. Netflix obviously didn't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or he just crushed the audition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And it was obviously like, the best. They're like, choice. Chris, we didn't even give you lines for this. Where's this coming from? <laughs> Dude, great um, improv, man. We're keeping that. Yeah. We're keeping that take. Uh, yeah. Seemed but, deeply uh, personal to you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's hard to say if it's going to ruin it. I mean, Seinfeld, you know, I mean, you know, Seinfeld dated that girl yeah. for like four years and it, he met a 17 year old in Central Park and then wound up dating her for four years. And Seinfeld was even older than Dalia at the time. I think Seinfeld was like, I want to say, it might, might have even been like 38 when he first met uh, that, that girl. And she was in high school um, and he dated her and, you know, for pretty much her whole time in college. But, uh, and she was like seven, I think she was 17 and he like met her parents and everything. And they had a big relationship and people just let it go. Um, not to say that that was right, but he does get a pass. Um, and it's kind of, you know, but uh, not to say, you know, Dalia, who I don't know his whole situation, but I guess, you know, it goes back to every situation is a little bit different. And uh you know, and people jump on Dalia, but who knows? I mean, who knows all the facts? Nobody does right. other than and him and the other people involved. Totally. I think that the thing that's working against him potentially here is the volume of the people speaking out about it, obviously, right. just a bunch of people. And I guess what it's going to come down to is sorting through those things, deciding what is illegal and or unacceptable. And, I, you know, we'll see the reaction because once it starts, it all starts to crumble, as we've seen. So, as far as like losing stuff in your career. Um, so hopefully, you know, I hope that, hope, you know, for, for his sake, if he didn't do anything wrong, hopefully nothing bad will happen to him. And if he did, you know, consequences, we'll see. Yeah. God, I don't know. I, I think for it's so tough. I, I don't think it's going to be easy for him to get uh, network gigs anymore for at least for a long, long time. I think his fans will stick by him. He'll come back maybe the way that Louie kind of did, but. Yeah, probably could still do stand-up. But yeah, if you're going on TV, that's a that's an easy thing for, I mean, you're dealing with sponsors. So it's yeah. like, why yeah. would a sponsor want somebody who's like, oh, this guy has a few accusations yeah. and, you know. The, the one thing I, I will say that I don't like is when, you know, people have been digging up sound bites from his podcast or from other people where he sort of made jokes about, you know, girls that look, were, are 14, they look 25 now. And then, and then these people are tweeting it and being like, you know, we should have seen it coming. He left clues. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, if I went out today and accidentally hit somebody with my car in a car accident, you could go back through my internet footprint and find something me about me saying, you know, like driving fast is fun. It doesn't mean that I should have been had my license revoked you know what i mean like get totally. get out of here absolutely dude totally um <laughs> well <laughs> i'm glad we put you through that as our opening segment gary yeah. guys if you're thinking about starting a podcast fill in the blanks here if i were in a concert right now and i said if you're thinking about starting a podcast i'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell anchor anchor and then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. I, I'm happy that we have Gary on today because he's a good pal and he also has very a very interesting kind of piece that he just put out in Sports Illustrated, which, dude, I don't know how I didn't know this about you already. Um, I don't know if it was something you didn't talk about or maybe we're just not as good of friends as I think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it, you should check this out in Sports Illustrated. Essentially, I'm going to kind of try to sum it up quickly and I'm going to let you kind of take it. Yeah. Um, but essentially, Gary and his father created a scam where they would pretend that they worked for sports illustrated for kids gary was the reporter his father was the photographer and they were granted access to all these hot and it wasn't like he was just going to a wednesday night 
fucking Washington Bullets game. He was going to like the Stanley Cup finals and he was going to see MJ at the garden and he was getting these interviews and the real Sports Illustrated for kids people couldn't even get this access. Yeah, one, yeah. Of the great, one of the great innocent rackets I've ever heard of in my life. So if you could tell us more about that, I would, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's pretty much like you said, but uh, it started back in 1993. Um, but previously before that, my dad and I, we would go to games and I would wait basically, uh, you know, for just like everybody else, if you want to get a player's autograph, you kind of wait behind like a guardrail when the players are leaving. And that's kind of like in, in general where it started, uh, where I was like waiting for autographs and, you know, you get a couple autographs, but you don't really get much like time with the players. Um, and I was, uh, I was a Sports Illustrated for Kids uh, subscriber. So I would subscribe to the magazine and that's how my dad, yeah, of course, all of us that's were. Really I love that buzz <laughs> and, cartoon in the end. Sorry. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, I would read it and, and my dad, then I, you know, just, I guess, developed the idea that, you know, if we were to actually like meet players, um, what, what we would do is, I would, well, he would use me and, you know, uh, you I love know that I was, it was your dad would, who came yeah. up with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, at 90, 93, I was nine. Um, so, and, you know, he, uh, you know, would bring me to the games and, you know, would make all the phone calls beforehand to uh, secure press passes, letting him know that Sports Illustrated for Kids would be there. Um, he would be, act as a photographer. He would go by an alias, uh, mix up the names, you know, every so often. But his main one was he'd go by Emmanuel Wolf, which was his first name, which his first name's Manny. So we'd switch that up a little bit. And then my mother's maiden name, which was Wolf. So that's where he came up with that. And uh, he would uh, go and he would, he would use that alias because he didn't want to, he wanted us to seem as professional as possible, uh, where he wouldn't be my father. He was just a photographer, which is also weird as we're talking about, you know, pedophiles and everything. Uh, but, you know, that my, work today. We, should, we should just cue in my, my dad just to get his take on uh, yeah. all this stuff. But, but yeah, it was... You know, and, and nobody was weirded out by by the fact that uh, you know, here's a kid with an older man. Um, but we we would we would get to the games and we would have these press passes waiting for us. And and like Julio said, we were uh, it was you know, it wasn't just like a Wednesday night game. We would go to games that like that that actually meant something. And um, just a general idea of like what would happen when we get to the game. You know, I'd be at if it was a basketball game, I'd be at the shoot around. I'd be, you know, with the other like, you know, reporters and, and stuff in the press area, which is like up in like the 400 level at the garden. But a lot of the time, my dad, he would be at, on the floor taking pictures. So he'd be scouting for a good seat for me. Um, and back in, back in the 90s at the garden, you know, it's like nobody cared about, you know, fire exits and whatnot. So it's like you could sit in certain places where you could be on the floor, you could be in like an area where you're just standing and ushers aren't going to be like, oh, you know, move out of the way. So my dad would find me a seat, you know, he'd be, you know, off on the, on the floor taking pictures um, or I could be, you know, standing in a corner where, you know, not even being bothered or, or somebody telling me to like, you know, get out of the way uh, for safety or anything. But um, we'd watch the game and then after the game, I'd go into the locker room and I would interview players for, you know, whatever game I was at, um, you know bullshit you know as you know like as a uh, as a sports illustrator for kids would do they have you know regular questions of like what's your favorite food and like what's yeah, your yeah. best advice you could you know you could give but i was there for pictures and autographs you know i, I didn't care about the interview but i i looked the part i had a, a tape recorder i had uh you know a pad and a pen and uh, my dad he he was an avid photographer so he let he loved taking pictures so he had good, good camera gear and he had a he had a vest so he looked apart completely. And then on top of that, he was a smooth talker. So, you know, no issues ever getting through of, of like somebody questioning it. Um, anybody ever saying anything, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, who do you know this person at Sports Illustrated? Because we never, um, they didn't, they actually didn't have kids reporting yet. And now I found out now after writing the article. So I wrote this article um, for Sports Illustrated for kids, uh, for, sports, for Sports Illustrated based on my uh, fake reporting for Sports Illustrated for kids that came out yesterday um, in Sports we're Illustrated. Gonna, we're going to share the link in our story when this episode oh, cool. comes out. Incredible. But yeah, no, they, uh, they didn't have kids reporters back then and then didn't find out uh, till recently that they now, they now they have kids reporting for Sports Illustrated for kids. Um, mm. But nobody ever questioned that. Nobody thought to be like, Oh, uh, when's that article coming out that you, that when you're the last time you were at the garden, can we see that? Um, it was just more like they saw me as a kid and nobody questioned it. Nobody, nobody thought that this was a thing. Um, 
that that we were faking and we didn't have tickets to the game so you know i went i went to rangers uh stanley cup game one game five and game seven and i sat sat glass level and i'm in the i'm in the stanley cup video uh my dad my dad's in like my dad also had a glass seat but in a different area in, in the arena he had a, he had a, his camera sticking through the glass because it was just like like a regular photographer and um I was at glass level and like watched Rangers win uh, game seven of the Stanley Cup. And then after the game, I was in the Canucks and Rangers locker room. And I went to the Rangers Stanley Cup party after the game as a, uh, as a 10 year old. And then, um, a few Gracie days Mansion, later, right? A few, well, yeah. A few, so a few days later, the Rangers celebrated at Gracie Mansion and we went there and like my dad had no problem getting through security again. So like, uh-huh. no, no, nothing was ever like too big to stop us. Uh, of us going to the games um, mm. or or the event, but uh, we, you know, if anything, it's like you know, looking back, it's like I uh, I wish we did it like even more than we did it, you know, because mm-hmm. it was just it was flawless. Uh, Dude, but I also I played incredible. sports, so it's like I had a, I had a little I had, I, and I had school too. But my dad didn't care about school. He'd pick me up early from school. We'd leave at like I leave at like noon, <laughs> and it's like you know, the game's not till seven, but it's just like just scout, you know just like scouting, like trying to figure out, like he still had to make like extra phone calls and stuff and just getting, getting extra equipment at, you know, different uh, camera stores. But uh, you know, he went, he went the full mile uh, for sure. Incredible dude. And like, so a couple of things that I found really interesting about this. First of all, dude, you looked like a character from the Mickey Mouse club. You had the look dude. Yeah. You yeah. The perfect straight kind of like bowl cut type of thing. Yeah. It was an you easy look like, the easiest sell in the world. You just look like a straight A student, straight shooter kid. Yeah. And my dad used that, in, you know, obviously to, you know, our advantage. And then he did it in other stuff too. It's like, we go to the movies. I mean, and I, you know, I'm small now and I was always small, but you know, back when I was 10, it's like, maybe I was like four foot five, you know, this is just like, <laughs> this is like the easiest thing. So, you know, we, anywhere we go, you know, movie theaters, it's like my dad used me everywhere he could. So we would never have to pay. Like I'd be going under the ropes at the movie theater. And then my dad would be like, Oh my God, my son's over there. He has our tickets. You know, it's just like, <laughs> and it, it would be like, I, he would take my friends to the movie theater and he would still make me do that. Just so, so just so like, you know, my dad was always looking for, you know, some like we did something for somebody, they would they would owe us. So it's like he would take uh, you know my friends to a movie theater, and then in you know return he would expect their parents to do something because he took, you know, we took them, but he would never pay. You know, it was like it was never there was never any. He would, my dad would never reach into his wallet uh, whatsoever. Brilliant. He um, yeah he I mean and you know aside from that he wasn't you know an honest person just in his regular life. He was you know pretty much a con artist. He like. Uh, I mean, he was a con artist. He, you know, all those businesses, he was always trying to, um, you know, he was getting sued constantly. Uh, he was always taking Jesus. from people. He was taking people, you know, taking people's money. He owned, he owned actually, uh, up until we we stopped talking when I was 15, but up until then he was uh, working as a, a, for a payphone company. Uh, but it was his payphone company, but he was passing himself off as working for AT&T. So he'd have all these different locations, big locations like Costco and Toys R Us. They would have his payphones. But they were under the impression that they were working with AT&T, but it was just my dad. Um, and, and AT&T, that was, so he was faking, you know, uh, being employed by them, which they eventually sued him. And they had uh, like federal agents come to my house when I was, uh, oh, when I was about like, I'd say 12. And um, my dad, to make them feel bad, he, he, uh, he asked me and I did it. I like went down in like my like feety pajamas and like, you know, just like a, like a, like a, a t-shirt that he had from like his company and like a hat just to like make them feel bad. And then he, uh, later in life, he went, he, uh, he brought me to like a deposition while they were getting sued just to show them, uh, to, to, uh, to sue, to counter sue them for stealing my autographs, even though they actually never stole my autographs. They were just, I had so many that he was just trying to get more out of them. Um, because I, so he could use, Oh, he has, I would have, I have, I mean, I have a ton of stuff like Mickey Mantle autographs and like Hank Aaron and Joe DiMaggio. And he, uh, he would say that, like, I mean, we had, you know, more than that. He would say like, Oh, there's, there's another Mickey Mantle. There was another Hank Aaron. Um, just to say that AT&T stole it. And yeah, he like, they never like, they just broke even. It was like, never, never mounted to anything, never mounted to any like jail time. Just, uh, yeah. 
but well brilliant but a little sad <laughs> yeah. I, that, that definitely <laughs> took a bummer of a turn you know uh, it's Would one thing like? to laugh at, at, at stolen valor for sports <laughs> illustrated for kids at&t is a whole nother felony ball game uh i think and and you know i'm sorry to hear that you guys stopped talking when you were 15 had you just decided that this was not the life you wanted to live you were going down a bad path of being the, the robin to a, a criminal <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted my own kid just to run the scam <laughs> with. And it's like, I, I want to be the lead. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Um, Give me no, the best, it, Dad. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it was definitely like constant lying that, you know, you're dealing with. So, you know, it, eventually I was just like, yeah, like, I don't want to do it. And plus, like, event, you, you know, when you're 15, in terms of me stopping, you know, doing that all together, I'm 15, you know, now it becomes a little bit more difficult to, to do it. Mm. Um, my, you know, you start also, I, I mean, even though I was, I grew up in Long Island, I knew, I knew a couple kids that would go to games, you know, at the garden. So I never wanted to run into anybody that I knew mm. while I was like being oh, this, yeah. you know, reporter. Um, I couldn't share the info with my friends. So it's a, you know, the secret itself was like, all right, I did it for a while. I did it for, you know, over four years. Um, and, uh, you know, got a lot out of it. And, but now it's older, but in terms of the really relationship with the dad, uh, he was, uh, my dad was always just constantly lying. So to be around the, somebody who's lying so much, it's just, you know, it's draining and you just don't want that. Yeah. I imagine it was like conflicting because to, to think back on even because the scam in the, in terms of the sports illustrator for thing, thing sounds like it was for you. You know what I mean? Right. He, it sounds like that was his version of being like a good dad. Good dad, yeah. So uh, it's in a way it does, uh, but, but at the same time, I think it, you know it was a combination of wanting it uh, to be for me and us to have this moment of uh, you know being father and son. But my dad also, he just wanted to, you know he wanted to be successful, but he wanted to always cut corners. So to him, the easiest way right. to be successful was lying and being deceitful. And uh, that's what he was good at. He put so much effort into these lies. Like, you know, if he would have actually used that for like some good, he could have managed to do that. But, uh, but instead it was, you know, coming up with that idea, you know, that, that, that idea takes, I mean, I don't know if it took time, but you know, the execution of it, it's like, you don't, you can might have the idea, but coming up with the execution, that energy could be used for something better. Um, yeah, and, uh, and figuring that out. But he, uh, that's what he focused his time on as opposed to, you know, coming up with a, uh, a you know, an honest way to, to did, live. Did he ever, did you guys ever sell any of the autographs? Was there any gain no, from it for I just, him? No, never selling autographs. I mean, other than us having pictures and him, he would share the pictures because um, when he would share the pictures with people, he would just say that he knows people at the garden uh, or knows the security guards. And that was a big thing that he would do. He'd always take pictures of the security guards at the garden because when we would go back, um, he, they know him as a familiar face. And even though he had press passes, it was just another way of, you know, of them being on his side. Right. Brilliant, was, dude. Yeah, it's, it's always good to know people. And, and who doesn't want a picture of themselves, especially back then when, uh, you know, nobody, you know, he had a nice camera and then now you could see the security guard and then like Michael Jordan behind them. You know, mm -hmm. who doesn't want that? But. And dude, that's the funny thing. It's like this. So first of all, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask a question at the end of this talk, but it's funny that during the game, you were sitting alone because your dad was with the other photographers courtside. Dude, dude I was 10, 11, uh, 9, 10, 11 years old. I don't know, I'd be walking around Madison Square Garden by myself. I remember, <laughs> I remember this specifically as a, this is kind of a theme of the show, but uh, it was the end of the first period of game one uh, of the Ranger Stanley Cup. And my dad would never give me any money to buy snacks or anything but like so i was also like because i'm you know you know my father's son i would i went up to the concession stand just to get something and because i'm a kid it's just like people would just buy me stuff you know just at the garden i remember one guy like um there, there's also a thing where it's like i wanted a, a te i mean at, for the game one i wanted a teddy bear um and it was uh 14 and i had like seven bucks on me and the guy behind me was like i'll you know hey, i'll get it for you kid don't worry about it and then I got the teddy bear and I remember just like looking over my shoulder, like this guy's going to rape me. This guy's, I remember thinking that then, I mean, never did. And I had the teddy bear, but, uh, <laughs> worked out. but, but either, but either way, it's like, that. those were the kind of thoughts that like would go in my head. Like I was aware of stuff like that back then. Yeah. I don't know if most kids, most, most kids think that as like a 10 year old that they're going to get, 
that that could lead to, you know, a rape. But I was just around my dad who was just, you know, constantly telling, you know, showing me that people aren't, aren't honest. Um, but, but you can take from people too. So it's mm. like, you, you could get things out of somebody. So you could get, you know, somebody to buy you something just at a, at, you know, at a concession stand, just because of the way that you look. Mm. Um, and I, yeah. and I would get, free, you know, I'd get free stuff. Yeah. There's that's kids. I was like kid a chick. I was like a chick, basically. Yeah, kid. kid <laughs> I was a hot chick. For sure. chick. <laughs> yeah, I was a hot Dude, kid. You're you're one of my favorite parts of the story that you wrote. That I feel like di- I would. I I'm so happy I'm talking to you about this now because of it. Yeah. Your so Gary interviewed Nancy Kerrigan while oh, yeah. skating alongside her. Yeah, and, Ch- oh. and Chelsea Piers. That's yeah, insane. My dad, my dad picked me up from school early. I think I was in sixth grade when I did that one. Uh, picked me up from school early. Found out that Nancy Kerrigan was going to be at Chelsea Piers. He made all like the proper calls, and uh, I played ice hockey, so I had skates. And we went to Chelsea Piers, and she was skating around. Um, she wasn't. I guess she was uh, wasn't pr- uh, practicing. She was already finished with the Olympics like a few years before. But um, I guess there's, she would still do like ice shows and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad just had me skate around with her, um, and uh, like I, I, you know, I was a good good skater, so it's like I I could skate, um, but at the same time, then we were just like going through and like just interviews, and and he would be snapping photos of me skating with her. All right, I, I, I have a lot of questions. I mean, <laughs> I, I just I have so many questions. Right, the the first one is, how much did you commit to the role of child interviewer when? You, the whole purpose was just a quick autograph, right? Or a picture. Cause those two things only take a split second. It sounds like if you're in these people's circle, you could get it very quickly. How yep. many questions would you ask and how much footage or, or recording would you get before you had, you felt like you'd proven who you were? Right. Well, the, the proof was in the beginning because you'd, there'd be an introduction and there'd be always a, a phone call, uh, you know, whatever set up before. Um, but as far as the length of an actual interview, I mean, it could not have been more than 60 seconds. Oh, I mean, it was, okay. It was so, it was okay. so quick, but I, but I would be spending time with them. So it would just be then just talking, you know, <laughs> not actual, in, not, not interview. My dad would make it, you know, a thing as much time as we could get out, out of somebody who is there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the Nancy Kerrigan thing was, you know, skating around, um, that probably lasted like probably, I would say anywhere from, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Um, Holy shit. Unbelievable. The, the, uh, I mean, I met, uh, one of, I mean, this is one of my, one of my favorite stories, but, um, Mario, Mario Lemieux, who was to me the greatest hockey player of all time, cause I got to see him more than Wayne Gretzky. And, uh, he, uh, uh I went to. This, uh, there was a celebrity golf tournament that was in Long Island, and I always wanted to meet Mario Lemieux. My dad, um, then of course, wanted, he wanted to meet Mario Lemieux as well. He called the hotel that Mario Lemieux was staying at, a Marriott hotel in Long Island, where all the players were staying. There's, it was a ton of celebrities that were doing this uh, celebrity golf tournament. And he found out uh, Mario Lemieux's hotel, uh, hotel room, and he called that room saying that he was his chauffeur just to find out what time he was going to be down in the lobby that morning. Then he followed that phone call up by saying that he had that um, under a different name uh, that he uh, is a, you know, the, a, a guy from sports illustrated for kids and he, they're going to be coming in today. Do you have any mo- any time today, possibly before like eight thirty AM? He just knew from what time the chauffeur now is going to be picking him up uh-huh. to how much time Mary Lemieux could possibly have. And he could do it before that chauffeur picks him up. He um, he then uh, put aside a banquet hall room in the Marriott Hotel. My dad procured an entire room for me where I interviewed Mario Lemieux, and he did it on video camera. My dad videotaped it. I had I had two hockey cards that were laid out on a table. So when we finished the interview, which probably lasted maybe five minutes, I was like, uh, Mario, would you mind like signing? He signs both hockey cards, and then my dad goes, "All right, Gary." Um, if you can just walk uh, Mr. Lemieux out to his his car, I then walk Mario Lemieux like through like the Marriott Hotel, walk him to his car, and like him, him and I just like chatted back and forth. My dad was just back in the hotel room, uh, hotel uh, banquet hall, and uh, I then like after that I just like went back and like just met him. But um, that was like my experience of like meeting Mario Lemieux, and it was based off of just my dad, you know, lying, finding out that 
you know, what time he's going to be down by saying he's his, his, his chauffeur, uh, which he knew, I guess, that because um, I met Meryl Mew the second day of that event. We went to the, the event the day before uh, with the goal of meeting him. And I guess he knew that all the players were getting rides um, from their hotel and that they have an actual chauffeur, that's, that a driver that's taking them. Um, so that's how he probably found out that, uh, that that's, you know, his mode of transportation and how to figure I mean, out. It, 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 it does sound as though, it does sound as though your dad would have been very well suited for the FBI or the CIA, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. his oh, reconnaissance so <laughs> abilities oh, yeah. were super high tech. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And also just, you know, in general where, and I've always felt good at this too, just from, I mean, witnessing it as a kid of telling when somebody's full of shit, you know, when you're like, Oh no, like that person's full of shit. Now, by being around my dad and you're, and you're saying so many lies um, and you're, you're, you're watching everybody eat it up. You realize how many people just eat up lies. They don't, they don't expect that somebody's lying to them. Right. Um, no. So, so that's really where you're like, Oh, you hear about that. Like you don't think someone's lying to you. And so you're like, if you stop and think every that that whatever anybody's saying to you might not necessarily be true, and you kind of dissect it, you realize like yeah they're probably full of some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So yeah. uh, so that's kind of I you know I learned that more from my dad, and you kind of see through a lot of people's bullshit. But my dad was just he knew that people would believe you know majority of people would believe everything that he was saying, and it's going to be pretty simple. Right. And I think about it now like that was sort of the height of the business of autographs too. Cause in my head, I'm like, well, of course they believe him. He's got nothing to gain from it really. Like who get, like, you know what I mean? There's not like, he's a kid. It's not a security risk. Like why not believe it? But mm. at the time, like autographs were the shit. Like, do you remember those like magazines where you could buy autographs out of and they came with the certified, I feel like the autographs aren't today what they once were. I don't know if that's correct or not. I know you still own a bunch of them. Um, they are, it's, it's, yeah. It's a complete, yeah, it's a completely different uh, market now. I mean, now, now it's like, a, you know, cards also like have been devalued. Right. It, it, used to be, it used to be huge. And maybe it will come back to an extent where you look back at like your, you know, if you still have your uh, card collection, like I, I, I still have it actually, but it's uh, maybe in like, you know, another 30 years that actually will have some value. But, um, but yeah, as far as autographs go, that was the, the the 90s were a huge time of getting those autographs and they had value but those a lot of those card shop autograph shops i mean i, pr- I pretty much um, you know all of them they just closed down right um, right but uh a lot of that's, there were a lot of fake autographs too and that's kind of what uh, part of my dad's thing was he wanted to show um us you know show people that oh i actually met them like even if you get a certificate um, saying that this person like signed it doesn't mean that they actually did. You right. know, those things, those things can be, you never know unless you're actually there. Totally. Yeah. Apparently I've been reading that the, the memorabilia market has been booming in the time really? of COVID. There have been a number of auction records for, for certain sports yeah. cards and things like that, but cards. Yeah. Like somebody found like a huge, like a, like a stack of like, it was like Babe Ruth. It was Luke Eric cards and uh, wow. maybe even yeah. like a, like a some other cards that were just like extremely valuable. But yeah. yeah. Um, but dude, you know, it, it, I will say this. I was an autograph nut myself. And my dad and I used to go to a lot of Celtics games. And I considered myself pretty good at seeing the angles and knowing where to be and right. the right pitch of my voice to make me sound like <laughs> a, a little kid, you know. And, Vulnerable. Yeah. And, and I, I got some great autographs. Uh, but, but, uh, if you had told me this story, like maybe like seven years ago, I don't think that I would have laughed. I think I would have been seething with jealousy. Like I used to get so, so much FOMO if someone else got an autograph that, you know, I didn't have. And your embarrassment of riches would would have not been something that I could have handled until <laughs> like five or six years ago. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and never, then the other I, thing I want to say is there is a real thrill in getting into a place that you're not supposed to be. In totally. ducking a velvet rope or getting for me, like I've I've come up with elaborate ruses to gain access to elite nightclubs in the meatpacking district. 
mm-hmm. back in my clubbing days. And like, I've put on South African accents and said, you know, that I was in town just for the weekend. I went to the boom, boom room one night or no, it was the electric room under the dream hotel with my buddy who actually was from South Africa. And I did a South African accent. We both went in and started talking to the band, the wanted. I don't know if you guys remember them and like hook, you know, talk to them for a bit. And then we talked to Jessica Beale was there and then Lindsay Lohan was there. And it was just like all because we put on accident accents and, and lied about who we were. And it was, it was thrilling. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was like amazing to pull off that lie. So I, I get where your dad's coming from in a way. <laughs> yeah. Totally dude. I'd be curious to see if any of the people that you met remember and like comment on it. And they're like, mm-hmm. that son of a gun got me. Yeah, I wonder if, uh, I mean, it's got to be so, I mean, they, they meet so many people. Think about it. Like, right. yeah, it's just, maybe they remember the event. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know if, you know, it's anything other than that, that, that it could, you know, connect us. Mm. Totally. Did you, uh, did Sports Illustrated ever reach out to you, Sports Illustrated for kids? So sports, I guess, because the kids is uh, such a small like magazine now that that's why it was just Sports Illustrated that reached out. So what happened was I posted a thing on Instagram uh, initially saying when and this is when like the Jordan doc last dance was going on about how I met him and gave like a small um, snippet of, of kind of what what my dad and I did. And then Sports Illustrated reached out to uh, to be like to, I guess, kind of like fact check to see if I was like telling the truth and like seeing what other things that I like I did. And then, so um, then I just, yeah, over the last two weeks, I just wrote them uh, this story, um, sending them pictures and then they, you know, they put it through to their editor and, uh, and then, yeah. And then just like, and then just put it out yesterday. That's but, awesome. Uh, Amazing. But yeah. That is but yeah, very it's well credit as from a comedian. Post. It's really cool. Dude. Yeah. Very, very well written too. I was very impressed. I also Thanks. really enjoyed the editor adding like, do not do this. Yeah. <laughs> it will not work. <laughs> yeah, he was saying, he was saying that, um, yeah, reporters can never ask for interviews. And I was like, I mean, like, that's what I was there. I mean, ask for uh, autographs. You're getting cocky. But, yeah. Well. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I'm like, clearly he doesn't is, have yeah, any children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, got, you have to ask for an autograph. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really awesome. Uh, um, all right. Well, check it. Check out that article, friends. I don't know if you have any other questions. No, I think that that's great. Um, Gary, where can we where can we find you? I know you've got some cool stuff going on. So uh, at Gary Veter, um, so on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, and then I also have a comedy album, Veter Las Vegas, that came out, which could be purchased right off my website, GaryVeter.com. Mm. Awesome, man! Hell yeah! Definitely that's check Gary that out. Veter. Yeah. And we're going to share the links to uh, to that article, since I'm sure that after listening to this, you guys will be interested to read it. Um, it's a nice read. It's not too long. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, Francis, what about you? Got anything? Cool no, nope, that's it. That was great. What a what a fantastically uplifting. Uh, all except for the the father son uh, breakup. That, that <laughs> yeah, was a yeah. wonderfully uplifting story. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time I come back on, maybe uh, maybe me and my dad will reconcile. Reconcile. So be, <laughs> yeah, be, just to make things happier. <laughs> yeah. And I wish I wish you better luck uh, in raising your child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Right now we're not talking just because he can't. But you know. So. All right, man. Take it easy. Yeah, um, that's good podcast. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, sorry. So, um, yeah, Gary, enjoy, enjoy fatherhood. Um, we are Oops the Podcast. Send us your stories. Send us all of you know whatever you feel like sharing with us. Send it to Oops the Podcast at gmail dot com or uh, our Instagram Oops the Podcast. He is Francis C C Ellis on Instagram. I am not Julio, uh, and we thank you guys for your time. That is all. Thanks, guys.